Hello and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and with me this week is Wes Hilliard. Thanks for joining me, Wes. Glad to be here again. So as we were recording last week, news was breaking about this crazy incident with Epic Games and Apple. We were not able to cover it last week, so thankfully this is going to be ongoing, and there's lots of news that just came out this week about it. But for our listeners, if you have not heard yet or don't know the details, I want to give you some background into what's going on between Epic Games and Apple. So Epic is a game developing company. You might remember them from the Infinity Blade game series. Wes, I don't know if you remember, but I think they actually did a demo of Infinity Blade during an Apple keynote back in the early iPad days. Do you remember that? Yeah, I believe Tim Sweeney himself has been on stage at Apple events. So Epic is responsible for many games and the Unreal Engine, which is a, I think like a graphical engine that a lot of video games use, uh, is from Epic as well. So recently, the massively popular game Fortnite, which is available on many platforms, but is also available on iOS, iPhone, and iPad, Epic chose to push an update not through the App Store. So it was not some update to the Fortnite game that had to go through the approval process through the App Store and then was released. This was an update that Epic pushed internally into the game, so outside of the app review process. And in this update, it allowed players to buy, what is it called, Wes? Is it V-Bucks? What is the digital currency? Pretty sure it's V-Bucks. Yeah, Yeah, V-Bucks. So you could purchase V-Bucks directly from Epic rather than using the in-app purchase mechanism. And Epic was offering a discount because if you were using this method for the few hours it was available, it was not going through Apple's 30% cut payment processing system. So again, this is, you know, we've been talking about it for weeks now is the whole 30% that Apple takes from developers, whether it's through an app purchase or in-app purchase. So they circumvented the system pretty obviously knowing what was going to happen. And so as soon as Apple realized that this update was pushed to the Fortnite game and they were circumventing the in-app purchase system, they immediately blocked Fortnite from new downloads. Now it didn't get removed from your device. If you had Fortnite installed on your iPad or iPhone, it didn't go away. But no one could then re-download Fortnite or download for the first time on their iPhone or iPad device. And then Epic, in an incredible fashion, again, obviously knowing what was going to happen, released a promotional video totally playing on the 1984 commercial that Apple released talking about taking down the man, basically. Now, in this case, being Apple, saying Apple, you know, totally locked us out. So free Fortnite, uh, you know, get behind us, support Fortnite and make Apple reinstate us. And they also had their lawsuits ready to go as they filed lawsuits against Apple for these uh, lockdown practices. And they tweeted a PDF link to these lawsuits last week. So the world could know exactly what they were suing for. So it was clear that Epic had every intention of of doing all that, knowing exactly what would happen. So that was the end of last week. Another point of information too, shortly after Apple booted Fortnite out of the App Store, Google Play did the same thing. And so for all those arguing, well, Google's open system and they wouldn't do that, well, they did exactly the same thing. And they booted Epic out of the Play Store as well. Yeah, Apple and Google both have the same rule set saying that you can't have outside purchases without very specific uh, rules in place. And, you know, I was listening to a number of other podcasts this past week. And just to put it in perspective, you know, when Apple talks about its services revenue, a large, large portion of that services revenue comes from 
the app store and the 30% that Apple takes from developers when they're selling their apps or in-app purchases, and a large, large portion of that revenue in the app store comes from games. All those in-app game purchases, whether it was the Pokemon in-app purchases or Candy Crush back in the day, or it's Fortnite V-Bucks. So there's a large amount of revenue to be had here in the app store gaming industry. And also, it seems like Epic is not like, oh, we just want everything to be open and free. It seems like they're also trying to make a play to have their own game slash app store. Well, then they will take a percentage from developers that sell through their uh, platform. And But that's unclear. That's just kind of uh, some things that they're alluding to. So now we come to this week. Apple has now given a deadline of August 28th saying that they will terminate the Epic developer account for iOS. So right now, it's just the Fortnite app that is not allowed in the App Store, and it was removed from the App Store. Apple saying, listen, <laughs> take away your own in-app purchase system, and we'll reinstate your app. And now Apple is saying, if you don't fix Fortnite, that August 28th comes that we will terminate the developer account, meaning that Epic Games will not be able to update any apps that it has in the App Store. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Russ, I think this would affect all other games that also use the Unreal Engine from Epic Games? That's correct. So basically everything that uses Unreal Engine is about to uh, stop receiving any updates uh, because the Unreal Engine for Mac and iOS are developed using Xcode. And without that developer certificate, nobody's getting anything anymore. Right. So it's a pretty big deal if their developer account is then terminated. Unreal Engine is in everything, everything <laughs> graphically related, even TV shows. It's everywhere. So this is a huge deal for Apple. Right. And so some of the games you might have heard of, Gears of War. So if you open a game and you see Unreal Engine on one of those startup screens, your game would then not be updatable in the App Store anymore if this developer account is terminated. But this is a pretty pun intended, epic battle between a game developer and Apple's policies for the App Store that we've been talking about. Just to make it clear, Apple released a statement earlier this week specifically addressing what they plan to do. And here is Apple's statement, quote, we won't make an exception for Epic because we don't think it's right to put their business interests ahead of the guidelines that protect our customers, end quote. Again, because of all the other news about Hey.com and the partiality, it seems Apple gives services like Amazon for Amazon Prime Video. This kind of statement is hard to ring true. It doesn't seem like they're going to budge on the 30% or from allowing Epic to bring Fortnite back into the store. And all this is with context that Apple just reached a $2 trillion market cap valuation <laughs> in this week uh, as it's arguing about 30% in the App Store. So Wes, tell me, uh, what are some of your thoughts? I mean, obviously Epic planned a lot of this, but do you think Epic has any chance of changing App Store policies or affecting Apple's decision-making at all? Well, this whole thing comes obviously, you know, one after the other, the whole hay thing uh, landing right before WWDC. And now this happening right before Apple's next announcements of, you know, new iPhones, new Apple TVs and possible pushes into, you know, more gaming industry stuff. Um, kind of a big deal, especially uh, the timing around it. And the antitrust hearing that just happened a couple of weeks ago as well. Right. Yeah. So all of this just seems to be culminating into everyone wants to yell Apple for being the bad guy. And of course, them being the $2 trillion uh, Titan, <laughs> it's it's um, easy to see that they could be in the wrong here. And I think personally that the 30% thing needs to change. Now, I mean, it's not 
as terrible attacks as uh, people may make it seem. And uh, some even say, don't call it a tax. You know, uh, it's Apple's venue. It's there to provide the app store and the uh, updates and the software and everything. So something has to be made out of it. And yeah, Apple probably makes a little too much money, especially considering they don't necessarily need the money as much as the developers might. But Epic being the one leading the charge here feels just a little disingenuous. I mean, we're talking about a multi-million dollar corporation with one of the biggest gaming um, titles and gaming engines in the world with plenty of money to spare going after Apple and saying, hey, you're charging too much money. And this is coming from a company who charges $15 for skins inside of a game that does nothing. So, <laughs> Right. Their whole business is getting people to spend real money to buy fake money in a game to buy a virtual costume. Yeah, cos- cosmetic upgrades. It's it's crazy. I mean, right. if you're if you're a long-time gamer, you'll remember laughing just hysterically at the idea of paying for cosmetic upgrades like in Elder Scrolls you could buy horse armor that did nothing because <laughs> and and now here we are with Epic up here saying, "Please give us more of our money." And inside of the uh lawsuit, they even detail specific things like saying, "Hey, we want to run our own app store to compete against Apple's because Apple does not deserve to not only sell hardware, but also control the software. And uh, Tim Sweeney says that Apple is way too monopolistic here uh, with their control. It is a lot of heat on Apple. And it's, you know, some of these statements from Apple make it sound like they're the underdog and they're for the little guy. And it's hard to hear statements like that. Again, knowing that they are the richest company in the world. First one to reach $2 trillion market cap, you know, stock is skyrocketing. So these underdog toned statements don't come across well, especially for the many developers, smaller developers who are paying the same 30%. And, you know, someone like Epic Games, even if they could never be in the app store again, would be fine as a company. They could sell games lots of other places. I mean, I think Fortnite's like available on pretty much Everything, right? Pretty much anything with a screen has Fortnite. Yeah, I'm sure. You can probably play it in your Tesla, I think. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure you can get a, a Sony Blu-ray player with Fortnite built in. I mean, it's it's everywhere. So Epic will be fine. To say they're fighting for the little guy, it really looks like they're just fighting so they can make more money in their own app store. Again, there is that deadline that Apple has stated, August 28th, which would be next Friday. Friday, August 28th. So we'll have to see. Apple is using the lawyers at Gibson and Dunn once again. This is the same firm that helped them fight the Samsung case. I don't know if you remember, that was from several years back. Some of the like UI and graphical uh, copywriting, trademarking, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this was the same law firm that fought in that. That whole Samsung versus Apple thing was a fun one to follow. If you were an Apple fan, um, <laughs> you definitely got involved. I feel like this Epic thing is going to be another big clash of the titans here i mean the favorite thing from samsung one just to divert our attention a little bit was the book they presented at the hearing that was literally instructions for samsung to copy the apple ui (laughs) i don't think epic has anything that damaging but still right yeah it'll be curious if anything comes out i mean logic i mean this would be the first time if the government actually steps in and makes apple change something this would be the first time it it happens but i can't imagine a, they're not going to just allow Epic to have their in-app purchase system and be, you know, this company that can do that, but other developers can't. There's no way that that could be, you know, a, a decision made. I feel like if there's any moment where the 30% share will change, maybe 
the government could step in and make Apple change that split? I don't think so. But I don't I don't know. I, I mean, I'll I'll make a prediction right right now on the show. You jot me down. Not nothing governmental is going to come from this. Apple and Epic and possibly these other companies in Epic's coalition of evil uh, are coming together to discuss, hey, what what exactly needs to happen here? Obviously, Epic put down their demands of give, give us the keys to the kingdom and Apple's going to say no. But I believe we'll see some kind of decision happen outside of the courts and everything get dropped because Apple has a lot to lose here, as does Epic. I don't see this becoming a big showdown as Epic wants it to be. I mean... Cute commercial, but this isn't going to be that. Yeah, that commercial was well done. I'll give Epic credit for that. But again, so clear that they had had it all planned because that was released just moments after they were kicked out of the store. I do think I agree a decision will be made outside the courts, but I guess the question will be, if would that decision then be App Store-wide? Would Apple make a decision to change that percentage cut for all developers? Or is this going to be a you know, kind of an Amazon Prime deal again where Apple offers a different percentage or some some other different arrangement with Epic that other de- other developers won't have access to. I think at the bare minimum, we need to see changes directed at games and gaming, especially with Apple, with Apple Arcade uh, coming out and becoming more and more uh, of a big deal. Apple does not want to be on the wrong side of uh, gaming and being able to appease game developers and game companies while they're pushing for, and we'll discuss more later in their push for gaming, but in their push for getting bigger eyes in the gaming industry, they they'll need to appease those, those people. And I think at the very least, they'll be able to segment off gaming as an option for alternate purchases or something like that. Kind of like right. they do with reader apps. Yeah, that is true. And like for subscriptions, if you're a developer that has a subscription, we've said this before on the show, it's 30% in the first year, Apple gets a cut from your app users that subscribe. And then every year after that, it's only 15%. And so, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's a game, a different kind of split for games uh, where it would be lower percent. Maybe just they just do that 15% uh, for in-app purchases through games. One last bit from the Epic vs. Apple. <laughs> this article came out uh, late this week, but if you never downloaded Fortnite on your iPhone or iPad, which if you have in the past, you can actually go to your purchases under your profile and re-download it. Even though it's out of the App Store, you do still have access if you had previously downloaded it. But if you have never downloaded Fortnite on an iPhone or iPad, and you really want it, and you don't want to wait until this is all settled, there are iPhones on eBay with Fortnite installed already going for up to $10,000, which I find incredible if you must have it it's there to be had apparently you gonna buy one of those wes well considering my toaster oven can probably play Fortnite, i don't need it (laughs) that's just incredible to me i I don't you know someone might not pay that but pretty incredible you know i encourage you if you have not listened yet to the interview i did with paul kafasis he's the founder developer at rogue amoeba they make audio hijack and a bunch of other apps check out the interview He has some insightful things and experiences about the App Store and some thoughts, so check that out. And again, stay tuned to AppleInsider.com because next week there'll obviously be even more news (laughs) if a deal is made or anything else. Keep an eye out for this, uh, this battle, Epic v. Apple, and we'll see what the outcome will be. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. I love ExpressVPN because it protects my internet browsing and it makes sure that my connection is private and secure. But not only can ExpressVPN protect your security and privacy, but it lets you access the internet as if you're in a different country. And if you didn't know, 
Streaming services like Netflix, they have different shows and movies available depending on what country you're in. That's why with ExpressVPN, you can unlock thousands of new shows and movies from streaming libraries around the globe. And listen, there's lots of VPNs out there. I've used many of them myself, but I personally love and use ExpressVPN. It's ridiculously fast and can stream everything in HD quality with zero buffering. ExpressVPN is available on every device, your iPhone, your iPad, your laptop, even your smart TV. I use it on all my devices, whether it's the app on my phone where I just open it, tap a button and I'm connected, or on my Mac, I can just click the little menu bar icon and I know my browsing is protected. And ExpressVPN worked with many streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Prime, BBC iPlayer, even YouTube. You can choose from almost 100 different countries to browse from. It's so simple to use. You just open the app, choose your location, and hit connect. Then you can refresh the page or the app, and different shows will magically appear in your streaming app. I grew up watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and if you browse from Netflix Australia, you can actually access the whole Fresh Prince of Bel-Air catalog right there in your Netflix app as if you were browsing from Australia. So use our link right now at expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this show. And so there was some rumors that John Prosser has leaked some things that might be coming. A cheaper, more affordable Apple Watch could be released in the coming months. Again, he had said a new Apple Watch and iPad might come via press release in early September. And now he's alluding to a more affordable Apple Watch possibly made of plastic. As you might know now, you can get an Apple Watch titanium or steel. Aluminum is now the you know most inexpensive model. And now he's saying there might be an even cheaper model, possibly made of plastic. And also a kid mode, uh, which actually I find interesting. As a, a parent, I have three kids. You know, the Apple Watch, you cannot use one and not have an iPhone. You know, you have to have an iPhone to really use an Apple Watch, have it connected to an iCloud account. And so it makes it hard if you want... You know, someone who a child is not old enough where you want to have an iPhone and pay for service, but you would like to use Find My features or be able to track different things, health type things, heart things. Yeah, it would be great if you could have a, a plastic watch and also a kid mode. That was the other rumor that there might be a new kid mode for Apple Watches, presumably where a parent could set it up and then give it to a kid, hopefully set it up on their child iCloud account. And so we'll see if that comes out. And also the possibility of a new game controller uh, coming out for Apple TV. I think you actually had this article, didn't you? Yeah, uh, just uh, writing about John Prosser's uh, Twitter Q&A he did. Right, that's right. What Anything about the controller specifically that he alluded to? No, this Q&A, it was very bare bones. Uh, people just shot questions and uh, he answered glibly as he usually does. <laughs> Someone just mentioned, hey, is Apple making a controller? And he said, yes, it's in development. And uh, there's no other information. Gotcha. Apple Insider being what we are, connecting the dots here. There's been other rumors of a controller, rumors of um, gaming specific Apple TV type stuff, or even gaming Macs. So these all tie together and uh, Prosser's just confirming it. 
for our Apple TV, we have a few of those Nimbus controllers. Uh, they connect via Bluetooth, and they work pretty well. Uh, sometimes there's some connectivity issues, and you know, moving between Apple TVs is a kind of a pain. You have to repair it every time. So it would be nice if Apple had a first-party controller. You could use it across Apple TVs. You know, if you wanted to move from one to another, that would be kind of nice. So we'll see that, and also the AirPod Studio, which you know, I was looking for a pair of headphones, and you reminded me, don't. The AirPod Studio are probably coming soon. Uh, did he say it, if this might be coming in the fall, or do we not know yet? Uh, nothing new. He said that basically the information he had for the original rumor for AirPod Studio hasn't changed, which basically is they're ready any day now. It's a moving target. I think originally he said it was supposed to release alongside um, a new MacBook refresh, and at, at the time that was the MacBook Air, and then it got moved to WWDC, and now it's... Anytime in the fall, so. Yeah, it'd be interesting. So I will just plug in here too. I was I was looking for a nice pair of over-the-ear headphones with noise canceling and being able to use it wired and wireless. Now, what uh, set do you use, Wes, or what would you recommend or prefer? This whole time, I've, I use the uh, Beat Studio, um, mm-hmm. whatever generation they are. I, I don't think they have a number anymore, but it's the, the latest one made by Apple. They work really well. I, I, I have no problems with them. Very long battery life. I think something like 40 hours uh, without ANC turned on. Um, so they're, they've always been really good, and I've never had them die on me once. Good sound quality, too. Yeah, I was looking at these. Are, they're somewhat expensive, but there's a Bowers and Wilkins, like a PX7, I believe, that it looked really good. And there was also the Sennheiser Momentums. So I don't know, listeners, if you have any thoughts about over-the-air headphones, I would welcome those tweets from you. Tweet at me, at Stephen Robles, and let me hear your suggestions and thoughts for that. Yeah, there's no ceiling for audio equipment. I mean, you can spend $100 <laughs> right. or $10,000, so. Oh, I know, and that, that's, yeah. I'm ready for Apple to tell me what price they are and just let me go buy them. <laughs> as long as they have all the features. But, you know, one of the, the main thing is I actually have a cheaper pair of, like, Sony over-the-ear Bluetooth headphones. I can use it wired, but it only pairs with two devices max, and switching between those devices is pretty laborious. So for the switching device reason alone, if those Air- AirPod Studio do come out, I'll probably jump on them, I'll be honest. Hopefully they're not $500, but, I mean, AirPods Pro are 250 I don't know. Well, what would you wager? You made a prediction for the uh, Epic scenario. What is your guesstimate price point for AirPod Studio if they come out? Well, all signs point to $400. Well, maybe it'll be amazing. And will Apple also announce that it is releasing a CBS Apple TV Plus bundle and Showtime. So you know, on the last episode, I think I said Apple TV Plus cost like 7 or $8. It's actually $5 a month. So that's a correction. If you want to subscribe to Apple TV Plus, which I just got an email actually the, a couple days ago saying that my year free of Apple TV Plus is about to expire. And so it'll start charging me. So I guess we all have to consider now <laughs> if, if uh, we're going to continue. But Apple TV Plus, that subscription is $5 a month. And now they're offering a bundle where you can add CBS All Access, which has like the new Star Trek shows, the Picard and all that, and Showtime, which has what is it, Shameless and Billionaires and some other shows. You can get both of those services for $10 in addition to the $5. So for $15, you can get Apple TV Plus, CBS All Access, and Showtime. This would save you about $10 or $11 because CBS All Access is about $10 or $11 on its own, and same with Showtime. So if you were already subscribing to those uh, or maybe you wanted to, you know, you get a little deal if you do Apple TV Plus, CBS, and Showtime. Does that tempt you at all? Do you watch anything on uh, either of those streaming services? 
actually CBS and Showtime have both tempted me. And I, I think I've subscribed to at least a month a piece of those randomly throughout time, just depending on whatever's out. Like I watch kidding with uh, Jim Carrey on Showtime. That's a oh. pretty, that's a really wild, weird show, but uh, I enjoy it. It saw this and immediately jumped on it. I mean, it just, it's a no duh for me. I like that CBS has more of the cartoon classics and stuff in Nickelodeon that my nieces and nephews like watching. And hmm. uh, don't get me wrong. I'll go watch some SpongeBob too. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Showtime, it, it, they have all the, everything HBO doesn't have basically. So if you have HBO and Showtime, you have pretty much every blockbuster movie and whatever TV show is trending right now. So very true. Well, check that out. This episode is brought to you by Raycon earbuds. Whether you're working from home, working on your fitness, you want to make sure that what you're listening to is what you're listening to. And you don't have all this other stuff bleeding in, roommates or your neighbors, maybe your kids, interrupting what you're trying to listen to. I have my Raycon wireless earbuds and I use them at home. And I have three kids too. And so there's always lots of noise going around. But my Raycon earbuds isolate the noise and they work incredibly well and they sound great. So before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair of wireless earbuds, check out the ones from Raycon. You may already know that Raycon earbuds start at just half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. But their newest model, the Everyday E25, are their best ones yet. They have six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, there's more bass, and there's a compact design. They come with a little case that you can put it in and they charge. They're super comfortable, and it's great for conference calls or just listening to podcasts while they work. The reason why I love the Raycon wireless earbuds, because they charge easily, they sound great, and they actually have physical buttons on each earbud. So rather than just trying to feel around for a tap or wondering whether or not you clicked a button, you can actually feel the button click as you do it. And you can play pause, you can do Siri, skip forward, skip back. I love the earbuds for those physical tactile controls. And the Raycon earbuds look great. They're stylish and they're really discreet. No dangling wires, nothing connecting the earbuds. They are completely wireless. And if you didn't know, Raycon was co-founded by Ray J and other celebrities like Snoop Dogg, J.R. Smith, Mike Tyson, and others. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. You can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Apple Insider. That's B-U-Y. R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash Apple Insider for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Raycon for sponsoring this episode. All right, we had a couple of reviews go up on the site this past week. I encourage you to check them out. Uh, Andrew did our iMac 27-inch review. Uh, that's reviewing the new refreshed models that came out shortly. And we'll put a link in show notes to that. And he's got a great video uh, to go alongside that iMac 27-inch review. So check that out. But also, I saw I saw Wes, a wireless router, and uh, <laughs> it didn't seem like he liked it very much. Why don't you tell us about uh, the Rockspace routers? Well, I wanted to like these things. They're they're neat little routers. I mean, they connect right away. They they have that instant pairing, quoted fast Wi-Fi speeds. I don't have gigabit internet around here. It gets my full spectrum of service and everything without any issues. But once I started testing these, I noticed a warning in settings um, telling me that my internet security uh, wasn't where it should be. And I couldn't figure it out. But apparently, these routers do not use modern Wi-Fi security protocols. They're using basically outdated protocols. T 
K-I-P, I believe. W-P-A-2, P-S-K, T-K-I-P. There's a lot of letters there, but mm-hmm. anyone who's dealt with Wi-Fi before uh, knows what I'm talking about. That is an outdated protocol. It's no longer in use. And I guess in order to cut costs and uh, make this as cheap as possible, they decided to use this um, old-fashioned security. Is this their first kind of wireless product? Looking around their website, they have other routers, uh, some of those Nighthawk-type things with a bunch of mm-hmm. antennas sticking off the side and stuff like that. It looks like, um, it's been mentioned on the show before, there's these companies that exist to go out and buy product parts wholesale and build the cheapest possible version of something that is a brand name. So like this has all the guts of something you would buy from Linksys or Eero, but instead of having that brand name, you get it much cheaper buying it from these guys. So it's just one of those Chinese companies trying to cut costs everywhere they can. Well, that's interesting. We'll, we'll put a link to that review in show notes. So wanted to jump off here then to talk about Wi-Fi routers in general. I'm always curious what Wi-Fi routers everybody's using. So yeah, why don't you tell me what uh, Wi-Fi router do you prefer in your home? Well, I'm, I'm a crazy person. And if I had gone through uh, three different mesh networks in the last couple of years. Right now, I'm using the Linksys Velop system. It's a couple of years old now. It's not the new one with Wi-Fi 6. It's the uh, original one, uh, colored black. Can't remember the exact spec, but it's pretty much modern uh, in every way other than Wi-Fi 6. Okay. I'm sorry. Tell me the name one more time. It's the Linksys Velop. It's the oh, ones they sell at the Apple Store. Yeah. Is that that doesn't have HomeKit, right? No. And this is this is the killer part. I actually traded up from um, my previous system. I had to trade up from that system to the Linksys Velop uh, because I, they said, hey, we're going to do HomeKit router support soon. And the banner is still there one year later. <laughs> Coming soon. Never trust the promise of HomeKit. <laughs> and Linksys is completely tight-lipped about it. No word. You can't get them to say nothing about it. They've never heard of HomeKit. They're not going to talk to you. Right. Okay. Well, I use the Amplify system. That's the system I had before, and I completely blanked on the name. That's the one I used before. Oh, it was. It was the little white cube version? The one with the like magnetic stick sticking out of the, the top of the nodes, and the main one is a cube with a screen in the front. Yes, that's exactly the... Yes, so that's the one that I use. And I'm pretty happy with it. I have one little mesh stick and it works all right. No Wi-Fi 6, but it's made by the company Ubiquity, which also makes kind of enterprise and commercial grade Wi-Fi systems, you know, like managed Wi-Fi network switches and all that kind of stuff. So so you traded up from that, you said. So do you prefer what you have the Linksys now as opposed to the Amplify? Well, even before that, I had Eero, the original Eero, not the current Amazon monster they created. Right. Out of the three, I think I prefer the original Eero system. I don't believe I'll go back to Eero just because I don't want to use Amazon products mm-hmm. um, just out of principle. But yeah, yeah I, if I had to pick, I'm just going to stick with Linksys unless someone else comes along or Apple decides to make a router again. So the Amplify, they had come out with their new alien version. <laughs> it's a, it has Wi-Fi 6. It's a massive tower. It's kind of expensive. Uh, but did that tempt you at all or you didn't want to go that route? Funny enough, it, it, it's it's the curse of buying something. As soon as I bought the Amplify system, that had that came out like a day later. I didn't do the research, I guess. But yeah, that I, I would have probably gone for that one if I had the choice. Well, okay. So you're pretty happy with the Velop. Do you have what, two or three of those little uh, towers? 
I got the three node pack last year. I got it on sale during uh, the whole Black Friday nonsense. So yeah, it, it works great. Um, I don't really have any issues. Connects over a pretty wide network. Don't really drop off or anything. So Okay. Now, how many Ethernet ports does it have on the back of the, the main? They're all identical. It's just two in the bottom. Two in the bottom. Okay. That's the only, that's the big difference from that and the uh, ubiquity ubiquity one. Yeah, I do like the four in the back. That's the that's nice. But anyway, well, we'll put a link in show notes to the Linksys Velop system. They actually do have their Wi-Fi six mesh router available now on Amazon, four hundred dollars for for just a single one. So, but you can get it, and so I'll put a link to in show notes to that one, and then you can also find the um, current versions elsewhere. All right, well, let us know what you think about the Epic versus Apple situation. What If you would like a plastic Apple Watch for your kids or if you might be signing up for that Apple TV CBS bundle, maybe what router you prefer, which one uh, that you recommend, and what over-the-ear headphones you'd like to use too. I'd love to hear about all those. You can tweet at me and Wes. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. If you haven't yet, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. There's been a couple of you doing that this past week, and we really appreciate that as well. And don't forget to check out the other show on appleinsider.com, HomeKit Insider, where we talk about all the HomeKit devices, projects that we're doing, new release products, and upcoming HomeKit stuff. Not just products that promise HomeKit, like Wes's router, but products that actually use HomeKit and are available now. So check that out, appleinsider.com slash podcast. You can get all the episodes for both shows there. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.